tonight, I want to, so Brother Timothy had asked me to write an article for the forthcoming issue of the Baptist Witness, and it was, it is based on the art, the theme for, I guess this quarter issue is learning from the lives of, of different Old Testament characters. So I think there's going to be one on learning from the life of Elijah and learning from Abraham. And the one I was assigned to is learning from Moses. And so that's what I want to talk uh, to you about just for a little while tonight is what we can learn from Moses, so some strengths and some weaknesses, and then ultimately how Moses should point us to the greater Moses, Jesus Christ. Um, I think that, honestly, the theme of, of the story, and of course the, the theme of the whole Bible, what, she, what we should get out of the whole of God's Word is that God is the center, that God is the hero, obviously. God is sovereign, and that is shown um, in powerful ways through the life of Moses. Um, Isaiah chapter 55, verse 8 and 9 say, God says about Himself, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. And this is certainly true in the life of Moses, because only a sovereign God could orchestrate um, what He orchestrated in Moses being a tool to lead, used by God, to lead God's chosen nation out of the bondage, the slavery, the oppression of Pharaoh and Egypt. You know, by human terms, Moses should have never lived past infancy. Uh, you remember when, after Joseph died, and in Exodus 1 it says, and a new Pharaoh um, came into power, a new king of Egypt, which knew not Joseph. And he became very, I guess, intimidated and paranoid by the growth and population of the children of Israel there. And so he forced, he, he decreed that, that the uh, children of Israel, the Hebrew children, must do hard labor, must be enslaved and be tortured. And it seems like the more that they tortured them, the more they oppressed them, the more the Hebrew children grew in population, grew in number. And so that led the Pharaoh of Egypt to put forth this chilling decree to the Egyptian midwives that all of the, the firstborn sons of Israel, the firstborn boys, should be put to death. And through a myriad of God's providence, including Hebrew midwives, I'm sorry, Egyptian midwives who feared God more than they feared the king, um, God used Moses, one of those boys that, humanly speaking, should have been put to death, used him in great and amazing ways to accomplish his purposes. Um, and so I want to glean, that's, I just want to glean a little bit from Moses, from, again, from his strengths, from his weaknesses, and then how he points us to Jesus Christ. Um, Brother Pat, do you have a Bible on hand? Okay, would you turn to Hebrews 11, chapter, uh, Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 through 27? And Brother Dalton, would you turn to Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 and 8? The first strength that I want to look at is 
Moses' Moses' loyalty to God and to his people. Moses' loyalty to God and to his people. Brother Patrick, will you read that passage, please? Sure. I take Moses when he was come to years, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he had respect unto the recompense of the reward. By faith he forsook Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is endured. Amen. So you know that Moses, in God's providence, not only was preserved, but God used Pharaoh's own daughter to be drawn to Moses and to raise him as her own son. And so that led Moses to actually live a life the first part of his, of his life in great privilege. He had it all. He had uh, status, he had wealth, he had privilege, and he was pro- very well could have been in line to be the next Pharaoh. Yet, because of his loyalty to God and to his people, because of, uh, because of that, he was willing to choose to suffer affliction. Um. If I were to put that in in the context of my own life, I, it's it's easy to to stand up here and say, "Well, yes, praise God, that's what we should do." But when the rubber meets the road, would I be willing to do that? And so I think we learn very uh, very much from Moses that he could have lived comfortably and more than comfortably lived with great wealth and status for the remainder of his life. Yet he was willing to give up this prestigious human status in order to identify with the lowly, oppressed nation of Israel. And at the end, I think we'll see what this pictures. Someone else who had it all, who really had it all, and yet was willing to suffer reproach for a lowly and oppressed people. Um... And I'm not going to, we're not, we could be here all night and we won't be, don't worry. Uh, But also in in his loyalty to God and to his people, we know that Moses, and we'll get to this, Moses was not perfect. He was very imperfect like you and I, but he led the people of Israel with courage. All throughout um, Exodus and Leviticus, he lives out courage and obedience to God's commands. God has very specific and strict instructions on how the people were to worship God, how the tabernacle was to be assembled and disassembled during their wilderness wanderings. And um, Moses, or journey, Moses is careful to obey every detail of the Lord's commands. I say every detail, for the most part, because we're going to get to where he disobeys. He is very careful to obey the Lord's commands. We see that he is loyal to God and to his people. And again, will we be willing to be loyal to God and to his people even when the, for lack of a better term, even when the deck is stacked against us? Will we be willing to be loyal to God and to his people? And then finally, at the end of his life, and he lived to be 120 years old, at the end of his life, when he is going to to 
pass the mantle, pass the baton, as it were, to his successor Joshua, we're going to see his unadulterated confidence in the Lord. His unadulterated loyalty, trust, and confidence in the Lord when he um, commissions Joshua and commissions Israel uh, before he is to, as he is about to die. And Brother Dalton, will you read Deuteronomy chapter 31, verses 7 and 8? And Moses called unto Joshua and said unto him in, in the sight of all Israel, Be strong and of good courage, for thou must go with this people unto the land which the Lord hath sworn unto their fathers to give them. And thou shalt cause them to inherit it. And the Lord, he it is that doth go before thee, he will be with thee, he will not fail thee, neither forsake thee. Amen. I love that. You know, this is a man. What he said is true. Don't be dismayed. Have courage. The Lord will never leave thee. And that is true whether somebody who's 33 years old or somebody who's five years old is saying that. But it seems to carry a little extra weight when somebody who is around 120 years old is saying that. He's lived a lot of life. He has been through many, many difficult situations. And he is here to say that the Lord will be with you. The Lord will not fail you. The Lord will not forsake you. Do not fear. Do not be dismayed. This is coming from somebody who has lived a lot of life, 120 years old. That carries to me some extra weight. Uh, And so I praise God for Moses' loyalty, his unadulterated courage and trust in God and Moses' loyalty to his people, even when it meant he lost a lot, humanly speaking. The other strength, and obviously I'm not even scratching the surface. Timothy said to keep this article at two and a half pages, and I thought I did well to make it three and a half pages. So I'm not, I'll let him when he gets back cut whatever he wants to cut out. So I'm not, yeah, I'm not even scratching the surface, but I do want to look at Numbers chapter 12, one more strength of Moses. Numbers chapter 12, it says, Numbers chapter 12, verse 3, it says, Now the man Moses was very meek above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So Noah, uh, Moses outside of the God-man himself, was the meekest man to walk on the earth. By meek, um, I believe one very close uh, word to, to meek is, is humility. It's gentleness and humility. I've heard it said meekness is, is power under control as well. Um, but the context of this, of this passage, of, of this verse, is... As Moses and as leaders often must endure, Moses was already experiencing the murmuring of the children of Israel. What, we had the melons and all of that, the fruits and the melons in Egypt, and um, they are just, it seems like how soon they forget what God led them through, and how soon we forget at times when we tend to murmur and to complain and be dissatisfied. So Moses is enduring this murmuring, but on top of that, his own sister and brother, Miriam and Aaron, criticize him. They speak against him. It says in chapter, yeah, chapter 12, verse 1, And Miriam and Aaron spake against Moses 
because of the Ethiopian woman whom he had married, for he had married an Ethiopian woman. And they said, Hath the Lord indeed spoken only by Moses? Hath he not spoken also by us? So not only do you have all these people that you, that God has commissioned you to be in charge of, are murmuring, disobeying, being dissatisfied. Now, the very ones that are closest to you, that that you think are, are your brother and sister, literally, but brother and sister in arms, now they're speaking against you. And God does not, He does not respond kindly to Miriam and Aaron's speaking against Moses. Matter of fact, it says that um, God struck um, God struck Miriam with leprosy after she did that, and then threw her out of the camp for seven days. I believe he struck her with leprosy. Now, what was Moses' response to that? This is just an example of his meekness, his humility. In my carnal nature, my response: I have a sister. Over here, uh, many sisters. But in my carnal nature, it could, it could be, that serves you right. You speak against me. You know the pressure I'm under. How would you like if, if you had to, to deal with what I have to deal with? You know what? Maybe, maybe you need this leprosy. It serves you right. Well, that's not how Moses responded. It says, Moses beseeched the Lord. He beseeched the Lord. Where uh, chapter yes, chapter twelve, verse thirteen. It says Moses cried unto the Lord, saying, "Heal her now, O God, I beseech thee." To me, that is a sign of a servant leader, somebody who was um, put probably his own pride, his own feelings to the side. And when he saw his sister, who had just spoken against him, struck with leprosy, Moses cried out to God on behalf of his sister. Eventually, she was healed. She did get get thrown out of the camp for a little while, but she was healed. But I love the picture of meekness that we see there from Moses and of a mediator crying out to God on behalf of his sister, despite what she had done to him. And again, I think we'll see... A picture of of, uh, somebody else who is very meek and a mediator between God and sinful men later. Now, one thing I love about Scripture, I was uh, listening to a man speak the other day on YouTube. He's a former atheist uh, who is converted and... He said now one of the things that he appreciates about God's Word, about the Bible, is that it does not sugarcoat anything. It does not sugarcoat any of the what we would so call the biblical heroes, heroes of the faith. It tells all the, the, the dirty truth on David and on Moses and about Abraham and um, Samson. And, and of course the, the list, the litany of the so-called Hall of Fame of the Faithful in Hebrews 11 There are many people there who committed great sin against God. And so the Bible doesn't sugarcoat anything. It is the unadulterated truth of God's Word. And so, while we know that, yes, Moses displayed great courage and trust and loyalty and meekness, yet he was clearly not perfect. He had 
weaknesses. And just two of those weaknesses I want to look at is, first off, just his timidity or his lack of trust at times. We just got through reading about his trust. Deuteronomy, when he commissions after almost 100 or around 120 years old and, and um, beseeching them to, to, church, to be strong and of a good courage and to trust. Well, you know, Moses himself didn't always have such courage. After the Lord in Exodus 3 appears to Moses in that amazing supernatural burning but unconsumed bush there in Mount Horeb, and he, God reveals Himself to Moses as the I Am that I Am, Moses goes back and forth with God. First off in Exodus 4, he's worried that, Lord, they won't believe me. Nobody's going to believe me. They will not hearken unto my voice. They will say, the Lord hath not appeared unto thee. And then what does the Lord do? The Lord responds. He gives him a rod. He tells him to to throw the rod on the ground. The rod becomes a serpent. Um, He tells him to pick that serpent up. The serpent, or yeah, to, to grab it by the tail. And the serpent becomes a rod again. And of course, that was a sign that this rod is the sign that they're going to believe you because they know that really who is behind you, and that's, that's me, is what, what God was saying. Well, that's not good enough yet for Moses. In, Hebrew, or in Exodus chapter 4, verse 10, Lord, I'm not eloquent. I don't speak very well. He may have, some say he may have had a stutter. We don't know, but I don't speak well. And, and you're giving me a job where I'm going to be having to speak all the time. Lord, I can't do it. I'm not eloquent. Well, the Lord has another answer. He says, Who hath made man's mouth? Didn't it remind you of the Lord speaking to Job? Who hath made man's mouth? Or who maketh the dumb or deaf or the seeing or the blind? Have not I the Lord? Now therefore go and I will be, I love this, I will be with thy mouth and teach thee what thou shalt say. Well then, in Exodus 4.13, Moses finally just says pretty much, Lord, just just please send someone else. Anybody but me. Just send somebody else. And then that's when the anger of the Lord was kindled against Moses. The, The Lord became angry. And again, he repeats himself. I will be with thy mouth. I will teach you, and with Aaron's mouth. And I will teach you what you shall do. And we know at times that timidity or a lack of trust could mask as false humility, but really what that's what it is. It is we lacking in trust in the triune God. And listen, that can be me. I can't tell you how many times, probably the last three years, where I've just had to remind myself, Lord I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Lord I believe, help thou mine unbelief. Because there are times where I do, I lack trust and faith in the Lord. And so I can identify with Moses. I can identify with Moses. I'm sure that you can as well in your life. It is a struggle, but we must remind ourselves of the great I am. We must remind ourselves that God is sovereign and we can and must trust his plans, even if we may not understand it, even if no matter how fearful that we may feel. And of course, how do we trust in Him? We must trust in Him by having, having a steady diet of His Word, being in prayer without ceasing, 
and being under the sound of the gospel. And then the last weakness, and I'll close with this, and then how Moses points us to Christ. Again, we got through saying how he was very careful to obey the Lord's commands and uh, how God is to be worshipped there in, in Exodus and Leviticus. But he was not perfect. This did not mean he did not struggle and fail. And this is what eventually kept him from going into the promised land. In Numbers chapter 20, and this is during their wilderness wanderings, and the children of Israel yet again are complaining. They're, mo- they're murmuring to Moses and Aaron about the lack of water when they're in this desert of Zin. And so at first, after they're murmuring, when they're murmuring, Moses does the right thing. He immediately sought the Lord. Lord, what do I do in this case? And the Lord tells him in Numbers chapter 20, Numbers chapter 20 says, The Lord spake unto Moses, saying, Take the rod and gather thou the assembly together, thou and Aaron thy brother, and speak ye unto the rock before their eyes, and it shall give forth his water. And thou shalt bring forth to them water out of the rock, so thou shalt give the congregation and their beasts drink. And so, Moses does the right thing. He seeks the Lord. They're murmuring again. They don't have enough water. They don't have any water here in this desert. What am I to do? God tells him, take this rod, speak to the rock, and they'll have water, not only for them, but also for their livestock. Well, what does Moses do instead? Moses... Brothers and sisters, he is fed up. So instead of speak to the rock, he speaks to the children of Israel and says, Hear now, ye rebels. Must we fetch you water of this rock? And Moses lifted up his hand, and with his rod, he smote the rock twice. Again, I can identify with that. I could identify with, well, he didn't do this, but I could identify with saying, serves you right, Miriam, get this leprosy to speak against me. I can identify with Moses being angry at the people. You rebels, must we fetch water for you? But what is that, though? He did not obey the Lord's command. And because of that, the Lord did graciously provide water after Moses did that. But because of that disobedience, Moses was not able to lead them all the way into the promised land. You know, we may be tempted in our anger, in our frustration, at whatever, just the, the state of the world, or, or the, a disobedient child, or um, problems at work, and that we may be tempted, we will be tempted, we have been tempted to react in, in a way that's contrary to God's Word. But may we be quick to repent. May we be re- quick to go back to, Lord, give me that meek spirit. Give me that humble spirit. Give me that obedient spirit to obey no matter how I feel. So I love that Moses is a very real man. I love that the Bible is a very real book and it doesn't sugarcoat anything. But as I close, I would be remiss not to point us to Jesus Christ, to the greater than Moses, to the better Moses. So yes, just as God 
chose an imperfect vessel to be his tool to lead his children out of Egyptian bondage. God chose a perfect vessel, no sin. He enjoyed the bliss of heaven to lead his people out of the bondage of sin out of a bondage that we deserve, that we, in a sense, brought upon ourselves. Jesus Christ, the Emmanuel, God with us, He is the better Moses. He is the greater than Moses. Just as Moses said it before, just as he was willing to suffer reproach, to not enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, but to suffer reproach, for His people, Jesus Christ was willing to step down from heaven and enter into the plight of humanity in order to secure the redemption of God's chosen people. To secure, to be the guarantee, the surety of our salvation. First Peter says, Christ also suffered for us leaving us an example that ye should follow His steps, who did no sin, neither was guile found in His mouth, who when He was reviled, reviled not again. For the sake of sinners, the Word was made flesh and suffered for us. Moses, as I said, was the meekest man to walk the earth, is what Numbers 12 verse 3 says, Yet there was somebody who was meeker. Jesus describes himself in, in Matthew 11, I believe, as meek and lowly in heart. And he said, He calls to the labored and the, those are, who are burdened, who are heavy laden, to come unto me and I will give you rest. Why? Because my yoke is easy. My burden is light. Jesus Christ is the better, the greater Moses in being the meekest man, in being meeker than the meekest man to walk the earth. Psalm 34, 18 would tell us that He is near to the brokenhearted and He saves such those who are contrite or crushed in spirit. And so whether you were crushed over your own sin and guilt, or just the results of living in a sin-cursed earth, Jesus Christ will give you rest. And then, just as Moses interceded to God on behalf of the children of Israel, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, and that is the man Christ Jesus. I won't take the time, but we could... We could read Isaiah 53. Jesus intercedes for transgressors. Are you a transgressor? Yes. We've broken the law. We are transgressors. And Jesus intercedes for transgressors. Jesus prays for you. As Brother Isaac's been teaching us on John 17 the last few Wednesday nights, Jesus prays for you. And as Brother Zach has always said, the Father always answers the perfect prayers of His beloved Son. And so, 
as we consider Moses, as we consider his strengths, his weaknesses, his loyalty, his meekness, but then at times his lack of trust and his failure to obey, may we ultimately consider the better Moses, and that is Jesus Christ, and may we rest in Him and come to Him. Let's pray. Lord God, thank You for Your Word. Thank You that we can meet in the middle of the week and sing praises to You, to hear the children um, sing praises to You and answer questions from Your Word. And Lord, just for a little while to speak from Your Word. Lord, I pray that You would take this, take these few thoughts and that you would just sanctify you, your word in our hearts. Lord, bless us to, as we um, struggle with trust, as we struggle in, in our obedience to you. Lord, may we look to the example of Moses and then ultimately look to your beloved Son, Jesus Christ, and find rest in Him. It's in Jesus' name. Amen.